Hanging Out, Indiana's only LGBTIQ plus news and public affairs show, featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. Live from the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, loves. Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Ireland Meacham. And I'm Lucas Fisher. We're all in the house. Yes. (laughs) We're Blooming Out. (laughs) And we are the Blooming Out uh, crew. crew. You're Blooming Out family. Wow, we've been doing this a while, haven't we? We have. (laughs) <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a coke. I know. <laughs> I'll have one in the mail by tomorrow morning. <laughs> Just mail you a can of coke. <laughs> How many stamps is that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know. kind of heavy when you think about it. Right? Yeah, it was... For a mail. <laughs> I'm going to get. Well, I actually, I sent a cassette one time in the mail with just a stamp. Yeah. You did? Yes. Did it arrive? And it arrived. No kidding. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Uh, maybe I just got lucky, though, you know? Media mail. I've heard of stuff like that happening, but yeah, that's it's envelope-shaped. Go for it. Send it through the mail, folks. Oh, I didn't even put it on in an envelope either, which is the crazy part. I don't think they do that with a can of Coke, though. Yeah. Maybe. No, give it a try. That would be a Drink it first, so it's a little bit lighter. <laughs> so how is everyone? Dripping can of Coke. Yeah, how was your uh, how was your impeachment? I mean, your week. <laughs> oh, it was it was just peachy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awful. No, it was pretty peachy. I'm I'm glad that um, you know, we at least got to impeach him twice, even if it doesn't go through the Senate. You know. But before we get into that, I guess I'll talk about me. Uh, yeah, I have I have done nothing this week. I have nothing to bring to the table. Uh, how are <laughs> I you? thought you were gonna have something big to say. <laughs> no, I just wanted Don't to get myself out of the way. Mm-hmm. I, it's another week, another week of uh, you know going to work and uh, living the life. Um, I've seen some stuff about the homeless coalition, which we may or may not get into. That's just some local stuff. Uh, that's important. Yeah, stuff. And that's, that that's important stuff. And that's, uh, I've seen that. I've been following that. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and talk about that? What have you seen? Yeah, well, um, so they were going to, the police were going to uh, basically raid the homeless area in Seminary Park again. Um, it was supposed to happen last night. I believe, but it has not happened yet. And actually there were a bunch of reporters and other people who showed up, I think last night, um, and were there and they actually made, someone has made like a, uh, it's like a post, not a poster. It's like a little flag, I guess that says, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what it says but it says, you know, that people, you know, are living there and they deserve and have the right to be in that public space. And I thought that was really cool. Um, 
Is that the one that's draped over uh, the bushes yeah. corner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's new. That was supposed to be Monday night that they were kicked out on the 11th. That was their their deadline. And I went over with my camera and I sat in the pawn shop's parking lot where I could kind of see uh, uh, a lot of what was going on. And a lot of not much went on. So I was happy. I actually fell asleep. Um, really? I, I, it, was, it was a long day. And I, I passed out in my car. And I was like, oh, God, two hours has gone by. And I look, and everybody's still standing in the same spot. So. Well, I, I was just wondering, because right before we uh, recorded this, I took my dog, Teddy, for a walk on the Salt Creek trail and there are lots of tents there lots of homeless people and the police were there oh really yes is that further south of town yes oh right off country club Mm. so so did they just need to be you know harassing somebody was it like we can't do the seminary square so hey let's move down i don't know i just figured that they did seminary square then they were you know going to the trails and doing all the places but i don't know where these people are supposed to live i mean i'm fine with them being on the trail well they were talking about um building in trades park which is right down the street from lucas and i um mm-hmm. and opening that up because they were like well you can open up the the bathrooms there um i think they probably receive a lot more pushback because there are um uh, there's playground equipment there and you know there was already a lot of pushback from people uh trying to get uh homeless people evicted from the shelters and stuff because they were they were just sitting there talking to each other and um people didn't like their kids being around. shelters in the park right yeah 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 sorry not homeless shelters but the, <laughs> the, the structures that are called shelters shelter houses encampment right well i mean no they're the they're the buildings that are put up in the park for people to oh oh right right. underneath them right yeah i mean it was i haven't seen anything you know dangerous going on or threatening or anything so um you know my my child is a little bit older so i haven't been there but still it just seems like people sitting around um taking a break and that's you know they've got that big grassy area where you could set up but again um who knows with the the neighborhood organizations and the the other people up in arms yeah even so if people object to homeless in the parks uh, and being in the park shelters, I, I don't see why they can't be along, um, y- you know, a trail out in the woods. I I have no idea. I I think that have place we, to go. they don't have any home. There's no home. Yeah. There's, there are no beds. The the yeah. the reason that they can't really kick them out is because they can't make an argument for sending people out into the community to try to find another spot because they were talking about having beds for people, but there just aren't enough. And, um, and the shelters that are there, you know, are, are trying, but there are others which are, um, 
really high barrier and it it's um uh, it's an uneven effort that wasn't that has no forethought in the administration so they need to figure something out now there was yeah. a didn't uh mayor hamilton go on uh wfhb to talk about um i think i think he did address some issues and um i'm not exactly sure but uh it is up on our website at wfhb.org if you missed out on that um i did i'm gonna go listen to that yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's up there i just want to hear his explanation of why you know what the what the reasoning is what the there because there there is no reasoning that makes sense you know basically he doesn't care <laughs> well yeah. uh, and that's that's a harsh way of putting it but um i mean the it, so there's programs in place but that doesn't necessarily solve the problem because some of the ways that these programs are set up uh makes it more difficult um for people to actually take advantage of those programs because they require them to, uh, you know, follow rules. And also I'm pretty sure those programs don't allow them to stay like long-term. Right. So that doesn't really help. So this is literally the encampment is the, uh, you know, the solution to that problem of not having a permanent place to stay naturally. It's what humans do. So gotta live somewhere you know when we keep bringing this up on this show just because you know we've mentioned that you know homelessness is a big issue for the lgbtq community and um people are dying and it's just absurd to try to push these people around instead of uh trying to do something about it especially just, in the middle wrong. of a pandemic in the middle of winter right it's the same, it's on the same, you know, like when you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything. Yeah. If you don't have anything good to do and you don't do anything. Yeah. If you don't have like anything you should, helpful, you should feel bad helpful to offer. That yeah. You should feel bad. So I just don't understand how he can, you know, not have more compassion and treat them like a, a problem that Bloomington has. Well, that's a common instead of for municipalities across the united states across and, the yep and the ages and the world i mean there there are parts in you know most uh religious texts about how to help people who are less fortunate or you know the poor losing you i'm sorry i think we I lost you a little bit <sighs> anyway no, it's it's a problem that's been it's as old as time. People have, you know, as long as there's been society, people have uh, there have been stratified societies, and people have been struggling for figuring out where they can live. Uh, if you don't have resources and money, it's difficult. So, if only we had the ability to work with compassion as the core foundation. Yeah, and if we were less bureaucratic, right, uh, and pushy, you know, but yeah, um, you know, so that's where that's 
that. I mean, they're not kicked out of the seminary park right now. No. It could happen tonight. You know, things could be different tomorrow. But there is that. And there's a strong community support, uh, which is really just incredible to see. And growing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. growing. And I'm really happy to see it. Well, yeah. Justin, how was your, your week? You're muted. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, my week, thank you for asking, uh, echoed Lucas's a lot because <laughs> it's just been this really, really incredibly boring week. You know, um, some days COVID is bearable, and then this week, for some reason, it just hasn't been. I don't know if it's what's going on in the world or whatever, but... I feel like I need to be active and participate in things. Um, So it's been a little bit frustrating, but you know, it comes and goes. Other times I'm like very happy with my Netflix and my podcasts and everything. (laughs) I've been like, I want to travel. I want to do things. So anyway. um, I've been feeling that too. Just like extra antsy in the past week or so. That's a good word. That's what I was trying to get at. Antsy. (laughs) <laughs> how i feel <laughs> so but otherwise i'm hanging in there good what's your week well let's go with ireland getting anything, oh. anything anything how's new york is it still there still there still here um yeah as far as i can tell i mean i barely leave my apartment so i really can't report on what's going on in the rest of the city but um things are okay i mean same pretty boring week feeling a little extra anxious because of everything but yeah anxious and antsy two good words very good very well (laughs) and I think we're all anxious about the inauguration too yeah I mean I know that I am it's just we hear the approaching violence coming um for sure and now we know it's a real thing we know it's like right we've we've seen it happen you know it's not a phantom of our own fears right right it's actually real um so i i posted some things on uh the facebooks on my my account and most of them were friends only but a couple of them were public and i didn't think that there was much to them but apparently somebody did and they decided to make some uh threats and they tried doing a messenger call 24 times in like an hour or two um i was actually passed out at the time i'd been working a lot and um on 20 different things and i I passed out in bed face down uh and i woke up and there's there are all these messages on my phone about missed uh calls and then I look and then there were a couple threatening messages and and I have installed cameras now. And um, not that I think that this person necessarily could find me or maybe they can. I don't know. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they are. Um, they blocked me right after. So I wasn't able to look them up and um, they may have changed their uh their um, profile pic because I can't, nobody can find their profile pic. So um, a lot of people have been looking out there, but 
I was able to uh, to get some cameras and put them up. And so I can monitor the house if I'm there or not there and don't have to get up and open the door, door to find out who's who's knocking at it. Um, but the person seemed to be very right-wing and um, very angry. Uh, oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, huh. I saw that you posted about that on Facebook and how scary. I'm so sorry that happened yeah. to you. Ugh. That's terrible. Like I'm almost nervous about talking about it on the air. Yeah. But I think it's also important that everybody knows because uh that is not okay i i saw your post too and that was absolutely terrifying and how many times did this person call you 24 24 yeah. times yeah it was it was unhinged and that's the part that scares me and like somebody that's going to call somebody 24 times is like they're not playing with full deck and this person left you some really seriously disturbing messages too it you know they're all sorts of names and when we uh yeah <laughs> they obviously don't know me in person um <laughs> those names are a little uh uh i don't know generous um but <laughs> i know it's not funny but I, i'm laughing with you, <laughs> you know? you've gotta you've gotta, you, you've gotta... <laughs> but um yeah the uh, when i started the the campaign for the lgbt organization the the center we got a couple of people who sent in threatening messages to the center it wasn't directed at me personally it was there and it's the bigotry and the ignorance that uh the people just can't get over and they can't live in a world where there are different kinds of people apparently everybody has to be uh, either the same or under their thumb or, you know, approved by them. And that's just some utter BS. So that was my week was setting up what, uh, internet cams and all that fun, not that kind of internet cam. No, I guess that's it. Uh, <laughs> the kind of cameras you can check <laughs> the internet. That's <laughs> totally not a revenue stream. This is not <laughs> Well, I mean, you got them now. <laughs> I mean, know. Well, so it's oh, got COVID times. Maybe this is a thing. Maybe I should become a cam girl. That'd be great. Hey, uh, OnlyFans is blowing up right now. <laughs> we're all cam everybody's girls. got an OnlyFans. <laughs> In this economy, we're all cam girls. Yeah. <laughs> In this pandemic, we are all cam girls. That is the truth. Oh, so no, anyway, do you have you see? Do you seriously have like a couple, or do you just? Okay, cool. That's good. It's really good that, you know, those cameras, you can get them for pretty cheap. Um, I got one for fairly cheap, like $20, and it works pretty well, HD video. Yep. So I'm glad you have a couple of those. I can record the bunnies bouncing across the backyard. So that's cute. When my neighbors come home. <laughs> yeah. We, we had to do that in Indianapolis. We had our house broken into, uh, Angie and I did 20 years ago. And we went and bar bought a, a two-camera system that flipped back and forth, and you pop uh, a VHS recorder or cassette in, and it re would record poorly. Um, and we'd come home from work, and we'd rewind and watch the cassette to see 
what went on. And it was mostly like cats um, mating in groups on the back porch. And, and the next door neighbors complaining about the camera on the front porch, but we couldn't on their front porch, but we couldn't uh, see them because we didn't point it in their house or anything. We just heard them complaining and calling us names and we also couldn't stop watching it it was the ocd channel it was like the it was just like we we couldn't pull ourselves away for like an hour or two at a time um we eventually had to to stop recording because that's so bad and then netflix came around and that's even worse but uh yeah it just seems to uh the the attitude of people seems to just be off the charts nowadays and i don't know what's going to happen there are a lot of threats about violence or taking back the state houses or doing all these other things that um sound like preludes to uh what was being talked about before which was uh civil war and I don't know how serious that is, but of course, you know, nobody saw the Capitol getting stormed. So who knows? Yeah. I watched some videos that I hadn't seen um, yet that were just really shocking. Does not compare to in any way. Does, does it does not compare to the black lives matter protests. Um, the, the, the black lives matter protest was not a mob of people attempting to hurt people it was uh you know it was it it was a group of people definitely but they they just blocked traffic and like marched on highways they burned whole cities down to the ground haven't you heard i mean they burned a couple buildings down that's true no but (laughs) also about something And what this riot was about was something completely false. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not a matter of right or wrong or t- two sides. It's complete fiction. They might as well have been rioting against witches or elves or whatever. Those elves. Yeah. They might, have, they might as well. Well, I won't say that. <laughs> Yeah, I read read this ridiculous article on, I keep seeing these articles coming out about that one woman who was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer because she was like leading the charge into the building. And um, they keep saying like, oh, she was a veteran. She, you know, all this stuff. But then it says like she was steeped in QAnon theory, was convinced that Trump was the savior that was going to come down and end like child abuse and like whatever. I'm like, have you seen how many pictures he has with Jeffrey Epstein? Okay, sure. Um, But like, it's just all, it's all rumor and nonsense and, and falsities that these people are so steeped in that they they believe they would they would die for this belief literally and they heard it from the president of the united states yeah right because they heard it from the president directly exactly there should no president should be you know furthering these lies and creating these lies and creating these narratives that are completely false and neither should any 
quote unquote news organizations such as Fox News mm -hmm. continue to treat it like it's news. It's not. I'm really hoping all of this will create a revolution where we get back to Sandy and that there's some regulation in terms of what you can say on news shows or not. I mean, I don't want any censorship, but you know, I'm, you just can't make stuff up. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember back in the eighties when the was the fairness act or whatever it was for, for news reporting was allowed yeah, to die. Yeah. And then oh, after oh, I, that. Yeah. <clears throat> there's been a lot of uh, deregulation within yeah. media. And I, I think that regulation needs to come back. You leftist. <laughs> um, now, I think freedom of speech is very important, but that doesn't include the freedom to just tell out and out lies to the public. Oh, Fox News has been doing it forever. Rush Limbaugh has been doing it even longer. Exactly. Not, not too much longer now, but <laughs> historically. Um, anyway, to get away from this subject, because we could go on and on about all of that, and there's already so much content out there about how yeah, there is. all this is. You guys, you guys already know. You've heard it, I'm sure. But You're probably listening to it now, CNN in the background. Just background noise. Bzz, bzz. But we do have uh, a, a state of our own. We are in the middle of uh well not in the middle we are in the beginning of our legislative session here in good old indiana and i was able to snag uh somebody that we've had on the program before jd ford he is the state senator from district 29 and that is um it's part of carmel and hamilton county and i think a little bit up in the corner of marion is it the three counties area that he covers. And uh, uh, he's got, and originally I said eight pieces of legislation. Um, he corrected me. There's 10 pieces that he's authored this year. And they they kind of run the gamut, but there are two that are very important. And um, without further ado, I think we should play his little segment and uh, find out what he has to say because he says it better than me. Welcome back, Senator Ford. We're honored that you uh, carved out some time to meet with us again. Unfortunately, times being what they are, my cohorts are off busy making the money that pays the taxes that gets squabbled over by you and your cohorts. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's always good to be back with you, all of you. I'm so excited. It's just been some time since we last spoke uh, after your historic win in November 2018, uh, about 100 years ago. Uh, it is the beginning of the legislative season, and you have a full eight bills that you're pushing through, and that seems like a lot. I want to go over them briefly before we get into a couple of the uh, ones that have obvious relevance to the LGBTIQ community. First off, I have been seeing your name all over the place these past couple of years, and even dropped it a couple of times myself. By the way, if anyone asks, like my mom or a grand jury, you do love my chili recipe. <laughs> and we were on a humanitarian aid trip to reach out to club goers with a group of nuns in Ibiza in early June 2019. Okay, it was a humanitarian trip, right? <laughs> yep, yep, those club goers, they just need some reaching out to. That's right. <laughs> Anywho, uh, how's it been since? Uh, what's been most surprising and enlightening for you in your time so far? 
Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's great to be back. And um, it's been a whirlwind, um, you know, and it's been an honor, though. I, I have to stress that uh, an honor of my life uh, to be here and to, you know, just really lend my voice to some of these issues that are impacting everyday people. And uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, my district, uh, District 29, which covers the you know, three counties, Hamilton, Boone, and Marion counties, um, uh, you know, they write me and, you know, say that you're doing a good job, although I do get some some notes that say, you're, you know, you're not doing such a good job, but that's that's life uh, here in the legislature. But, you know, honestly, you know, I've uh, was and have been focusing a lot of my time on, you know, rebuilding from COVID-19, you know, it's uh, decimated you know, uh, people's pocketbooks, people's families, um, you know, the deaths that we've had, you know, from this. And so, you know, me going into the 2021 session, I've got that um, on the back of my mind, um, you know, as well as, you know, the unfortunate events uh, from last summer with the George Floyd situation. And so, you know, what making sure that we keep that front and center on folks' minds, I, I don't, you know, we oftentimes have a history in our country of a lot of these high profile incidents uh, that is, you know, we go through it, you know, we, you know, we have the trauma um, and then we kind of push it aside and, and, and sweep it under the rug. And so we, we cannot do that. And so uh, I have, you know, some uh, legislation uh, that will hopefully deal with some of those issues, both COVID and also um you know, with the George Floyd situation. So, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm hanging in there. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, interesting to be here, um, you know, with everything that's been going on, particularly what happened out in Washington, D.C. And uh, we, we got another report that, you know, uh, state capitals um, are need to be on high alert. And so, uh, so as, as my family likes to remind me, watch my six, uh, which I always, always do. I think, you know, being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, we are kind of taught that um, mm-hmm. uh, simply because of, uh, you know, we need to be aware of our surroundings and, and who we are uh, because there's people out there uh, that don't uh, particularly, you know, like what, who we are as people. So, um, but you no, know, I'm having a really uh, just a blast here and it's really an honor to be here. That's great. I think you're kind of born to it from what I've been seeing different appearances when you you go on to uh, zoom meetings you know you're you're just on top of it and and we kind of saw that a little bit when you were campaigning and when we had you on the show you were just a font of information and everything was at the front so congratulations on your what this is your uh, third then right yeah this is my third legislative session and then and this year is also a budget year so and redistricting so we've got a lot on our plate uh this session yeah wow that's that's even more than i was working on here thinking about it because redistricting is one of those things that really 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 kind of has uh impacted people's lives in ways that they just haven't seen because it goes on behind the scenes and it has been used to manipulate how elections are determined um, by cutting up block of voters and canceling their votes yeah Um, yeah, no, it's you make a great point. And I think, you know, all of the issues that we talk about, you know, COVID-19, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the racial unrest that we've seen, um, you know, health disparities that we've seen, all of this stems from uh, gerrymandering, which is why it's got to be on, on the front of our minds, uh, simply because, you know, we have in this state, 
politicians picking the people that they want to represent, mm. you know, and, and I and others of my colleagues feel that it should be the other way around. It should be fair and competitive district, you know, in a district like mine, um, you know, I, I stay engaged with my uh, constituents by phone calls and emails. And even my own constituents are surprised when I pick up the phone and call them back. Uh, they're like, is this really you? Uh, yeah, that's me. Um, but, you know, but, but there are other people here that don't have to do that because they win by 80, 90% of the vote. And, and to me, and, and, you know, that, I just don't think that that's the right way. If we had more competitive districts, we would have more folks more legislators paying attention to what their constituents are writing in about. Right. And I think that uh, the supermajority that we've been saddled with for so very long has not served Indiana well. So hopefully, what are the uh, chances that redistricting will will go forth in a more competitive and, and fair way? Well, you know, my, my colleagues on the other side have, have said that they are, you know, going to have an open and transparent process. But, you know, I, I think that what what is, uh, I'm just kind of, the proof will be in the pudding on that regard, uh, because, you know, in the past, we've seen uh, where they ship it off to, you know, some lobbying firm out in DC, and then they ship it back. And, they're doing it under the guise of having the public input, but but really the maps are already drawn, you know. So, uh, and here's the thing that these, you know, why again, why this is so important is that these maps are going to be with us for the next ten years, until we can, you know, get uh, some some you know new maps in there that are more fair to people. So, hopefully, we're moving in the right direction. That remains to be seen, I guess. Yep. So, uh, kind of leading into what your legislation is, um, because I know that some of it is overarching for the state, but some of it's more specific. Let's start with more specific to your area. You're halfway through the first term and you're in District 29, which includes mm-hmm. parts of Carmel and Hamilton County where my cousins live. Shout out to Kelly and Corey. <laughs> I, and you know what? I think at least one of them voted for you. Yay. Yeah. What exactly you've been doing for them and their families for these past two years and for this year? Yeah. You know, so a couple couple things that I'm very proud of. Uh, number one, uh, last year, um, I was selected as the legislator of the year for the Indiana School Social Work Association. So, you know, those hardworking folks in our schools that are taking care of our kids and and even families for that matter, um, you know, they they saw me to be a champion for their cause and selected me to be their uh, legislator of the year. So I'm very honored and excited to have received that award. Um, you know, I have been fighting for, you know, uh, just families in general, um, making sure that, you know, the payday lenders, uh, you know, who, that want to come and do business in our state, that there's rules and regulations. So I've you know, stood up against the payday lending folks. Uh, we were able to successfully beat that back. Um, you know, uh, fought against the utility companies um, when they wanted to use uh, public taxpayer dollars to renovate coal facilities. Um, you know, our district was very much in support of, uh, well, I should say, it opposed uh, House Bill 1414 in the last legislative session. Um, you know, so I've I feel like, you know, the, the work that I'm doing is before I go out and take a vote on the Senate floor, I do my homework, you know, I reach out to, you know, all the parties involved, pro and con that issue. Um, you know, I listen to the the people that I represent, and I feel like it's a one big recipe where I throw all those ingredients into the bowl, you know, before I go out there and take that vote. But one of the things I always try and do is put myself in the shoes of constituents. For example, you know, uh, you know, is is this 
you know, bill going to raise my utility rates? You know, is it going to raise, you know, working class folks uh, utility rates where, you know, an additional five or 10 bucks on a bill doesn't sound like a lot, but when you add it up over time, you know, that's a, you know, a couple, you know, groceries or a tank of gas or, or whatever that means, you know, for that family. So those are the things that I think about, you know, as I'm uh, doing my work. Uh, you're already doing more work than your colleagues, I believe. So <laughs> congratulations on the award. Thank you very much. And thank you for working in that vein, because we're going to come across one of those pieces of legislation coming up here. Um, well, and multiple pieces for, for local. Uh, your eight pieces of legislation can be found by going to iga.in.gov and searching for your name under legislators uh, to the right of the screen. And a link will be in the show's notes at wfhb.org. They cover a lot of ground from regulations for cell towers to bring uh, bring resources to help get fresh food to food deserts, which I want to ask you about that for for your district, because it seems like, you know, up there in the fancy land, it wouldn't be such a, a problem. But you're working, I see, a lot from from a holistic standpoint in the whole state, too. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And establishing essential workers and death benefits uh, from them for COVID-19. Uh, but the buzzing conversion therapy ban thing, which is what uh, you were talking about last night on the, the Zoom town hall. And there's the other bit that, that we'll get into later. So what things that aren't the LGBT uh, grouping of things do you, would you like to say more about? Yeah. Um, so, so real quick, uh, there are two more bills that haven't populated to the website yet, um, and so they're they've been filed. They just haven't been added, and and that one is um, my elections bill that uh, I heard from constituents all across. You know, why don't we have no excuse absentee balloting? You know, why do I have to provide an excuse? And to be honest with you, Melanie, I, I saw policy come full circle when I was out greeting voters uh, at a voting site. There was a, a woman who had been standing in line for more than five hours. Unfortunately, she passed out and medical services need to be called. And so she said, when she, when she kind of came to, she said, I I'm 63. I don't meet the 65, but I, it was important for me to be out here. And I just, I, I was so close. I, I didn't make it. So, you know, I saw all of that come full circle oh. and, and really saw to my, you know, thought to myself, gosh, if we would have just tackled this issue, you know, we did it. We actually did no excuse absentee balloting uh, in the May primary, but did not decide to do that, you know, for the general election, which to me is just, you know, just uh, backwards. But um, so, yeah. And then my other one is, uh, uh, the, my 10th bill is a special prosecutor uh, for deadly force. So, you know, if a law enforcement officer is involved in a deadly force uh, action, uh, police action shooting, um, you know, it would trigger an automatic special prosecutor. You know, we, we saw that happen here uh, in Indianapolis uh, with the Dreshawn Reed, uh, you know, uh, case. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit of time elapsed uh, before a special prosecutor was um, appointed. Thankfully, one was appointed, uh, but this would automatically appoint one uh, for something like that. But you know, um, you know, the the other, uh, I, I think all of the ten bills that I've I've put forward, you know, I, I kind of go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you know, do people have food? Do people have water? Do people have shelter? You know, um, if if we can just start there then we can build off of that, right? And we can get into more of the complex issues. Uh, but if people don't have fresh food and fresh water and, and housing secured, then, 
then things are going to be tumultuous. And, and I just feel like it's our job, you know, as, as policymakers to, to knock down some of these barriers. There's a lot of people struggling right now. COVID-19 has exacerbated that on so many levels. It's, it's, it's shown a huge spotlight on some of the areas that we are just deficient in. And so I think these, most of the work that I uh, am doing is has intersectionality uh, with a lot of different groups. Um, so I'm really proud of the bills that I've put forward this year. I think from what I've seen, the other ones are great. Those two sound essential, and I, I'm sorry I didn't get to see those yet, but I'll be looking for them. We're going to keep discussing a lot of these um, bills. And just a second, I have to go uh, throw something small and bouncy at a cat who has uh, obviously not listened to my speech on Don't Bother Mommy when she's working on the radio. So last night, you and State Representative uh, Sue Arrington headlined the Say No to Conversion Therapy town hall meeting on Zoom and live streamed on Facebook, where it can be seen on the Stonewall Democrats of Indiana page, and you have a link to it on your page as well. And we'll include that in the show notes, and there's another big deep issue for the community that I was surprised to see addressed in Indiana. Thank you and Representative Arrington for putting forth your bills. Uh, speak about that briefly and uh, how it's being received so far, or is it still too early to tell? Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, you know, still a little too early. Um, you know, we're second week into the session, but, you know, I, I uh, had that drafted uh, early this uh, this year. I got it in. I filed it early. So it's got a low bill number. Uh, Senate Bill 32 is that number for anybody who wants to take a look at it. But essentially, you know, we need to end this harmful and detrimental practice in our state. And so I'm proud to work with Representative Sue Arrington from the Muncie area. She's got the companion piece over in the House. So we're attacking it from two fronts. Hopefully uh, we can both get hearings in both of our chambers. But if mine doesn't get a hearing, hopefully hers does and vice versa. So, um, you know, and when I filed the bill and, you know, uh, there's media reports, I've had so many folks that reach out to me and just said, thank you. You know, I've, I'm a survivor of this harmful practice. You know, if, if your bill would have been in place, I wouldn't have gone through this. And, you know, and, and here's the thing of why this is so, why this is, uh, well, first of all, why so many medical and mental health organizations have come out strongly against this quote unquote practice. Uh, it's not, it's not therapy as, as what it's called, you know, and it's not really a practice. Um, it, it really is, um, you know, someone's ability to try and change someone's sexual orientation and gender identity. And, and what I've said is that it doesn't need to be cured. And so when you're sitting down with somebody who is considering themselves, you know, a therapist and they're trying to, you know, change your gender identity or your, you know, sexual orientation, but you, but you feel strongly about who you are and, you know, the, the feelings that you have, you know, you would then become not congruent with what you feel and what you're hearing. And so that's caused a lot of tumultual, you know, term, you know, turmoil in someone's life. And unfortunately it's, it's led to people, you know, taking their own life. It's unfortunately, it's led to, you know, deep, deep depression. Um, you know, uh, so we just feel, you know, and people say, well, you know, it's COVID-19, you know, we, we can't tackle that this year. And, and I say, that's baloney. I think we, have the ability to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. And this is a practice that will save countless 
LGBTQ uh, folks, uh, but particularly our youth. And that's what we're really focused on. That is absolutely true. It's one of the things that I've been really preoccupied with because I never went through conversion therapy, but we have grown up in a society. And, and this is something that was brought up in the live stream last night. Uh, the term was conversion culture. Yes. Where it's basically conversion therapy kind of diluted out into daily life, you know, and that poses such a, a risk to people too. And to concentrate that down is is just so, so harmful. I know this would make us the 21st state, yeah. which is sad, but also fantastic. The second state in the Midwest, it looks like, right? So there's Illinois and us. Yeah, we would, we would be the, the second in the Midwest. And I, and I think that's an important point is we've got to, you know, we're, we should be leading. Unfortunately, Indiana finds herself on the bottom of lots of lists, uh, but this is a list that we could literally be leading in, uh, which would be very, very good for us. Yeah. And on the other side of that, there are three states right now that have injunctions against their uh, anti-conversion therapy legislation, and that's uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. We wait to see what happens there. We don't, we don't have an idea how that's going to go in the courts. I wanted to bring up SB 33 as well. Yes. The next one up on the docket, and that's the equity, diversity, and inclusion officers in our schools. Can you explain that to us a bit? Yeah, you know, so I've I'm, I'm been working with a group um, called the Carmel Against Racial Injustice, um, and, and they approached me and said, hey, we, we have this idea, um, and we think that it might, you know, be, it would be a good thing to have, you know, a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer in each of our school districts. Um, and I agree with that. You know, I think that, you know, when kids are exposed to someone who looks different from they are, um, who may talk different from what they originally know, you know, it, that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, you know, we, we are a global society, you know, and so um, having, you know, uh, children, um, you know, exposed to that, uh, I think would be, would be good. Uh, it really, for me, it really sets them up for success. Um, and to have somebody who is kind of monitoring, you know, um, the, and the inclusion and, and equity and the diversity piece um, is, is good. The other, the other thing that the bill does is that it reports back to the Department of Education so we can kind of get some data on this to see if this is working. Um, so really excited about that piece, um, that bill, and uh, hopefully that we can get to the hearing. I hope so, because we have a, a diversity and inclusion officer in our uh, MCCSC, our local uh, community school corporation. I'm not sure exactly how much say and sway he has, but he's there doing the work. It, it's kind of a school by school thing down here. One of the schools seems to be very inclusive. The next school is has a lot of problems. So. Maybe by codifying this statewide, this will help bring everybody in under one house. But I know that's going to be a tall order considering we're Indiana and yeah. a lot of people have, and from personal experience talking with some parents and educators and stuff, there's a lot of pushback against dictating what morality is. Uh, and unfortunately, we fall under morality clauses, right? Mm -hmm that is changing the culture and that's what we need to do. Well, I've got you here, I got a couple of questions. There are a couple of offerings from James Tomes and those are, are particularly horrible. One of them is the material harmful to minors bill that seems to be his way of attacking LGBTIQ curriculum inclusion in schools and also 
I think it's been, it was introduced last year and probably before, for Drag Queen Story Hour. It seems to be trying to get beyond the freedom of speech and other other things that have been uh, brought up against people who want to stop that. So what are your ideas and what are your thoughts on those? Um, that I have not seen that bill um, that you that you were talking with uh, or talking about. Um, so, but what I, but what I can say is, you know, Senator Tom's, um, you know, is is a colleague, and I, you know, try and work with him as much as I can. But on those particular issues, I just don't see, you know, the the need for it. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so I, I just, you know, I I just find it so interesting that you know that we you know, get ourselves so wound up on, on these particular issues. And um, I just really hope that, you know, uh, well, I, I hope that those bills don't move. Um, but, you know, but for me, um, I just, you know, I'll continue to work with him and, and do the best I can with him. Uh, in some of those cases, some of these bills won't, won't see the light of day. Um, and so maybe that might be the case for some of these bills. Hopefully. And there's, there's another one, but it's not by him. Um, he had another one that was related to what Curtis Hill was trying to push through the Supreme Court. This one is SB 224 by Cruz and Rats. It states, yeah. uh, you've heard this one? Yeah, the, the, last night at the town hall, there was someone who had dropped this into the chat box. And so I, I skimmed it, but I haven't had a chance to really look at it. Um, but it is a pro- problematic bill as well. All right. I'll probably go into that more on the show. But I know I've taken up an incredible amount of your time. Um <laughs> Happy to sit and chat. Always happy to do that. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving your time so generously. Uh, One parting question. You kind of covered it a little bit, but what can we do to help support you in this time when we have people who are threatening to come and protest? Because it just seems that things are falling apart. and, And how do we put things back together? Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a, a great question. And, and to be in all sincerity and truthfulness, I don't know if I have the answer to that. But what I can say is that, you know, I am, I am willing to, you know, take a step back and take a deep breath and, you know, um, check my ego sometimes, you know, and, um, and I hope that my colleagues are willing to do that as well. I, I feel like if we can all do that collectively, then we can go back to the basics of, you know, starting off with relationships with truth and trust. You know, I just feel like sometimes, you know, facts don't matter these days. Um, so so if, if we can just kind of go back to what we've always known to be true and what we've always been taught, and that is your word means a lot and truth and facts matter and science matters, um, you know, I, I think that would be a great place to start. But in terms of, you know, for, you know, you and your listening audience, you know, I would say, please be dialed into this process. You know, COVID-19 is making it really difficult for people to be here in person at the state house. Um, so, you know, you mentioned about the General Assembly website. I would encourage people to go to that website, you know, research these bills, uh, contact their state senators and their state representatives uh, on pieces that they like and pieces that they don't like. Um, you know, I think sometimes people think that when I file a bill, like for example, my food desert bill, like, oh, that's a great idea. And they, they don't write me to say that, then, you know, I don't know if that's, if it's resonating out there, you know, so I would say, even if you agree with me on, on issues, you know, give me the cover to say, well, a hundred of, 
hundred constituents wrote me on this issue and I think we should do this, you know? So same thing with, you know, I think a lot of people feel it's really easy to just, you know, uh, see something that they don't like, and then they just immediately fire off that email. Um, but I'm saying, you know, email me on the good things too. Fantastic. You hear that people get back <laughs> to your keyboards. Yes. Get those yes. things to happen too. Well, thank you again, Senator Ford. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to have you on later on to follow up in the near future. And be healthy and stay safe. Thank you so much. Thanks for this opportunity. It's great to see you again. I see you. Take care. Bye-bye. So I know you guys weren't able to make it. What are your thoughts on on JD's interview and, and the things that he went over? I really liked that one part when he was talking about um, how it's a responsibility of legislators to make sure like it was like the hierarchy of needs. Like you've got to make sure everyone is taken care of like at a basic level, like that's your duty. Um, and, and I appreciate that he's actually trying to do that because there's so few legislators that are actually, they're all, it seems when you hear about it, it seems like a lot of legislators are just trying to push their own agenda sort of thing, but he is really, he really cares about his constituents and how the bills that he's putting forth are affecting the, the people that they affect. And I think that's so important. Yeah, I, I wish I had a little more time to talk to him about the, uh, the more local bills and the more um, uh, community-centered ones. But, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, I love the, that he's working on the, you know, the food desert bill. That's so important. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, the conversion therapy too. It's very awesome. He has a broad range of things that he's doing and I think that's awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy and uh, we had him on the show before and he's a wonderful guest. So, uh, hopefully we can get him back. I think definitely we can. I, I, um, I want to get him back closer to maybe around February once they've had a time, a chance to figure out where all this legislation is going through committee and see what the, the um, landscape looks like a little bit more because mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, attrition and many bills are going to be lost because they never make it out of committee. So um, we'll know better, like I said, in about a month, uh, what is actually going to be argued and what, what will make it to the floor maybe and what we really need to focus on because some of these bills um jim toms i guess is his name there's an e in it i thought it was toms um he puts forth some of the most queer phobic bills that you've ever seen and over the years he's just done this consistently i thought jd yeah. being very uh <sighs> generous with him mm -hmm. they really let anyone in to the to the government. <laughs> um, I was listening to the Senate, I think, debate, or the, I think the Senate also voted on the impeachment today, right? No. Oh, that was the that was the representatives. Yeah. Okay. So I was listening to them today, and wow, some of the stuff, some of the arguments, the counter arguments I heard. I can't believe. I'm not going to say what I, my thoughts were on the air or off the air because that's dark um but i was infuriated and screaming at my phone because yeah me too 
Ireland, you had you had some news. Some news. Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention that, you know, our our good old friend Betsy DeVos um, is finally done. She resigned this week. Yeah. Don't let the door kick you on the way out. Um, but she just had to take one last swing at trans kids before she doesn't have any power um, they anymore. Have it so easy. They need to toughen up a little bit. <laughs> um. Well, as we all know, her time as Secretary of Education was defined by rollbacks on LGBTQIA rights. Um, she took a hatchet to Obama-era guidance protecting trans kids and weaponizing. Uh, she weaponized civil rights enforcement against school districts with trans-affirming policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this last final blow she decided to take was publishing a memorandum this is on January 8th, um, which was the day of her resignation, which was seeking to twist civil rights laws to oppose um, affirmation of trans kids. So the memo would warp essentially the Supreme Court's landmark 2020 ruling in Bostock versus Clayton County, which uh, established that employment laws barring discrimination on the basis of sex. It also prohibits discrimination based on sexuality and gender identity. And that ruling uh, is quote, it is impossible to discriminate against a person for being homosexual or transgender without discriminating against that in- individual based on sex. True. Um, this memo though, the, that came from Miss, Miss Betsy, uh, <laughs> seems to reach the exact opposite conclusion um, from the Supreme Court ruling. And it argues that the court's ruling is, quote, consistent with and further supports the department's longstanding construction of the term sex in Title, I, uh, Title IX to uh, mean biological sex, male or female. Um, twisting the ruling further, the memo argues that the plain, ordinary public meaning of civil rights laws would require, quote, toilet, locker room, and shower facilities to, pre- to be provided based on biological sex and for separate athletic teams to separate participants solely based on their biological sex and not based on transgender status. Um, God, the, the, the language is just so transphobic, first of all, but um, what this means essentially is that schools would be free to openly discriminate against trans students um, under the interpretation. Um, yeah, LGBT groups are calling out against it. It's legally flawed. It's, you know. Morally bankrupt. Morally bankrupt. Um, um, anybody else got anything? Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and produced by Melanie Davis and Kate Young. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. <laughs> and I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Lucas Fisher. I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, if everything were straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, wear your masks, do not storm the castle, and good night from your Blooming Out family.